What is it about moms and mothers? We talk about them regularly throughout society. The role they did or didn't play. Well, it just so happens that this is exactly what this podcast is about. This is Should Have Listened to My Mother, and I'm your host, Jackie Tantillo. If you are new to Should Have Listened to My Mother and you'd like more information, you can go to both my Facebook and Instagram, Should Have Listened to My Mother pages, as well as at Jackie Tantillo on Twitter. And if you think you have a pretty compelling story you'd like to share, you can always email us at Jackie at shouldhavelistentomymother.com. You have to write out the whole thing. Right now, I'd like to introduce you to my guest. She's a mom and a working actor who has an illustrious career working in film, TV, and theater, on Broadway, off Broadway, as well as regional theater. And I want to say a big hello to Monette McGraw, and welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so happy to be here. You do have a daughter, so we know how busy things are with a little one running around. And we're going to talk about your relationship with your daughter, as well as the relationship that you have with your mom, obviously, because this is should have listened to my mother. So please please tell us your mom's name. Uh, My mom's name is Diane Faye Scomars. You guys moved around a little bit when you were growing up. I know you've been in the Midwest and California. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. My mom was born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota, and she lives there now. She actually returned home um, later in her life, but I was born in the Twin Cities, and we lived there until I was 10 and a half, and then we moved to Columbia, Missouri, where I graduated high school, and then I went to Mount Holyoke, uh, for one year, and then transferred to New York University, and uh, that is where I got my degree in acting, and kind of the rest is history. I spent about a decade in Los Angeles before returning to New York and um, living in Brooklyn then until uh, right before my daughter was born when we moved to Maplewood, New Jersey, which is where we live now. So tell me, when did your acting career start? Were you a child actor? Uh, I was not a child actor. Well, not outside of my family. Um, <laughs> my grandmother, my grandmother, when she was alive, uh, used to claim that I told her at age three that I would be an actress. And I used to um, perform The Dying Swan from Swan Lake in the living room for all of our dinner guests. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, puppet theater on the um, on the in the back staircase of our house. There was like a little landing, and my mom strung a curtain there, and so I would do puppet shows. And I was very dramatic. You know, I was in the the first grade play and high school musicals and all of that. But I still didn't really think it would be a career until. Um, during my freshman year at Mount Holyoke, when a visiting professor asked me what I was doing there and why I wasn't in acting school. Oh, my and gosh. I, How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, he really changed my life. Um, my my family, uh, none of them were artists. So that was the furthest thing from their experience 
especially, you know, being a professional artist, that was just, nobody would think of that, and nor had I. So his question really stunned me, and I I said, I I wouldn't even know what to do. And he said, you apply here, here, and here, you audition, and you go to one of those schools. That's what you need to do. But what and did so he see did. in you? What did he see in you, or what what made him think that? Um, well, I don't. I mean, I don't know specifically, but he was directing me in um, a play at the time, and also oh, he was an acting teach acting. Your, he your, was a director and an acting teacher uh-huh. at a at a different university, and he was he was visiting just to direct a, a production at Mount Holyoke, which did, that school did not have an acting major. He had a theater major, but there was, I think he just saw, like, this is what you should be doing. And it was very simple to him. Um, and that helped. So Boy, simple, right? Focus. When you yeah, see that focus and so, direction, it's like, whoa, thanks for turning the light on. Oh, <laughs> yes, and I forgot. Here's what he said. This is the greatest line. He said, in life, there are people who dip their toe in the shallow end, and there are makes me cry and there are people who jump off the high dive and I don't think you're a shallow end kind of girl what's his name um he actually just passed away last year his name was Paul Jackson wow talk about changing your life boy did he and he was such a beloved uh artist and human and it's funny you know I found out on Facebook that he had passed away and I was devastated and I went on his Facebook page and do you know how many similar stories were posted there? Mm. He was just a life changer for so many people. You're so one of I the was lucky very ones. lucky. Yeah, one of the lucky yeah. ones for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I got the chills just thinking about it. <laughs> Me too. Isn't it? And I, recently I shared this story with someone how we every day we in our lives we're so busy, right? And we're walking by people all the time, whether we're in a city or, or a neighborhood or a supermarket or the gas station. We pass these whether you call them spirits or beings, right? And and we judge them either by what they're wearing or how they look or who they're talking to or what job they have. And yet how often do we take those that minute to find out who that person is? Because everybody has an individual and unique story. And in life, we're missing a lot of these really neat stories because we often either don't have the time or we don't take the time to just acknowledge somebody or say hi. Or and so that's it's so true. That's yeah. what I love about doing this because I get a minute to to talk to my guest and then the influences that their mom had or didn't have in their life for whatever reason. And are you who you are today because of or in spite of your mother? Um, yeah, I mean, what a great gateway for you. I love that you found um, like a doorway in which to find those spirits. That's wonderful. So you have, let's briefly touch on your career, but this is about a show about you and your mother, really, right? So, yeah. But you yeah. have a pretty remarkable, I mean, I could just spend the whole time talking about your, your resume and your credits. On Broadway, you stood by for Mary Louise Parker, who I adore in The Sound Inside. Also, Brian Cranston, one of my favorites, in the Tony Award-winning Best New Play for All the Way. That must have been pretty exciting for you. It was, and he's a remarkable artist and person. He's just lovely, yes. Um, Off-Broadway, On the Verge, or The Geography of Yearning, <laughs> The Attic Theater Company. 
yes, that's a it was such a wild ride of a play and really, really wonderful. And you have regional credits. You've spent a lot of time in Rochester at Jiva. Um, I did one play there, oh, okay. uh, but you know, regional theater is really where most sort of journeymen actors spend their time, theater actors. And I've been lucky enough to work all over the country, and I love doing that because I learn about places I would never have visited. And, you you know, you kind of sit down there for two months, and you're, you're working very hard during rehearsal to figure out the play, and then you open, and you have your days free, and you get to learn about these new places. It's really a an interesting way to spend your life. It's harder once you have children, of course, but yeah, yeah, I was yeah. lucky to do a lot before my daughter was born. You did Sex with Strangers in Cleveland. You've done yes, The Rainmaker, uh, Shakespeare of New Jersey. You've done so many great things. Noel Coward's Private Lives. Lots of Noel Coward. I spent two years doing like four Noel Coward plays. I used to do, so I did so many British, <laughs> British characters. For a while, I felt like, uh, you know, I was a transplant. Yeah, but the show I I'm, was actually supposed to have just started rehearsals for that's been put off until um, next spring. I've done the play four times, and so I actually kind of know lots of parts of it and which um, by heart. That is called Enchanted April, and I'm we are planning um, to do it at Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey next spring, and it's such a wonderful play. It is just delightful and um, hope-filled, and I think it'll be just what we need as we're coming out of this crazy time that we're in now. Yeah, absolutely. And your film credits, Spielberg, you've worked with Diane Keaton and The Other, The Other Sister. You've done a couple of Spielbergs, haven't you? The Post, Um, Miss Diane. I did The Post. Yeah, I did The Post with him, and that had Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in it. So that was like knocking three giants out of the park in one film. That's pretty amazing. It was really fascinating to just kind of watch everybody's, the way they moved through the set and their personalities. And it was was fascinating. Talk about a master class. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) And also speaking of your husband, you guys met while you were working on a play, weren't you? In a production together? Yes. We we met um, doing The Great Gatsby. I played Daisy and he played Gatsby. And um, we were friends for a couple of years after that and always very much enjoyed each other. And then we both found ourselves in New York City and single and at a, like, at a friend's party, bumped into each other, and that was it. Like, pretty much we were together ever since. Oh, that's so neat. Good for you guys. And yeah. what, let's give him a shout-out, because he's an actor as well. Yes, David Andrew McDonald, and he's a brilliant actor, yeah. actually. He's, he's we'll wonderful. Keep I lo- and we love working together. We love working together. How great is that? So many couples yeah. can't wait to be apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I'm not saying that the 24-hour-a-day like quarantine is always super healthy, but right. we do love acting together for sure. That's great. That's good, good, good. All right. So now this is pretty serendipitous. We met through a mutual friend, Julie, and she said to me, you know, Jackie, she goes, and I think, I think Monette's mom actually wrote a book, a memoir, (laughs) and I think it would be really great for you to, you two to talk. So I think it's a great time that we start talking about your mom. Just so timely 
memoir. Tell us, please, the name of the book. So, um, after, okay, so my mom was a headshot photographer in New York City when 9-11 happened. And I was living in Los Angeles. And she, it was, it was very dramatic. She was in her studio when it happened, and she was alone. And her husband, actually, my stepfather, was on a plane um, at Newark. And he was second in line to take off when the first plane hit. And she, so she was alone. She didn't know where he was for quite a while. And I couldn't get through to her. She couldn't get through to me. It was, you know, dramatic for all of us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that went through her mind, I mean, she, she, she felt like she was safe, but at the same time, did any of us really feel like we were safe then. Um, and she thought kind of in a panic, I think, oh my God, have I taught my daughter everything that I know? Have I, have I, have I said enough? If I were to die today, would she know all the things I would want her to know? So this idea stuck with her. And I'm not sure if it was that January 1st or the Let's see, wait, I have the book next to me, so I will look. It was two years after, so it was a year and a half later, she finally decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a daily journal to my daughter. So she she just literally began it as journal entries, and she filled three notebooks um, over the next 365 days. And they range, these, these journal entries range from, here's everything that I remember about my mother, to here's a recipe for Hello Dolly bars <laughs> that we make mm. in our family, to, um, you know, sometimes advice, a lot of questions, actually. Uh, my mom is not a dogmatic person at all, but she would tell a story, like a brief story, and maybe say the lessons that she learned, and then she would end these entries with questions for me to ponder. So it was kind of, it, it was both teaching, it, there was comedy, um, there were very poignant um, entries, memories from her her life, like her most romantic moment, is one of my favorites. Um it's silly things. Also, there were some drawings, photographs, as my mother was a, a photographer for some of her career and all, all of her life as a serious hobby. But um, she presented these journals to me for Christmas that year. Um, and I was gobsmacked. I, I, it was so... Uh, overwhelming. It was so like moving, and the, and like how it came about was very difficult for all of like for all of us. That as a, as a New Yorker, somebody who lived there, and her being there, and it just kind of blew me away. And I it, I took a long time to read them. For a while, I just I put them away. Like I couldn't even I couldn't even read it. And then I started to, and I couldn't stop, and I just. I just read and read and like, like a, like a starving person with a feast. And the next Christmas, I 
put them in a box and I wrapped them up and I gave them back and I said, you need to publish this. This is a book. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah, so she did. She worked incredibly hard. She Obviously, she had to change some things. You know, there were, like, references that nobody else would understand that she had to explain. There were a few entries I think she removed because of the personal nature, um, things she expanded on. But it is still very true to what she gave me. And it's a... Like, today, <laughs> I went over it this morning because I knew we were going to be speaking. And, like, I was sitting at my kitchen table across from my daughter who was doing her Zoom preschool meeting. And I was, like, I was crying at the kitchen table oh and goodness. laughing. And my husband was like, are you okay? Was he like, what's going on? And I kind of just held up the book. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's all Jackie's fault. <laughs> he understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us what the official name is. Oh, okay. It is called Have I Taught You Everything I Know by Diane Faye Scomars. I, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like. I mean, you not only relive all of the emotions of what happened on 9-11, her, the impetus for her doing this, but maybe she didn't want to have regrets by not sure. sharing these things with you. Maybe you could tell us what your relationship was like with your mom before 9-11. Sure. I mean, it, it's sort of ironic to me because we are actually so close and always have been that in my mind, she would have shared so much. So I'm surprised that it was something that she was worried about. But she's also um, a very loving, obviously, and... Um, She's a very loving mother, and she would want to make sure that she was leaving something behind of that love for me that was tangible, I think. Uh, she's also a very private person, so maybe like some of that privacy got stripped away by such a dramatic moment, and maybe she was like, I just, there's more, there's more. Um, I'm not sure. I think what's very interesting in reviewing the book today is that it, it did start as, maybe like giving advice or telling me stories that I might not know or might not remember. But it actually kind of becomes, when you look at it overall, like a blueprint of who my mom is. It, it's, it's more like her just giving me this little window into this year of hers and how she, like how ideas even came to her of what to write or... Um, just her personality comes through so much. And I think that, I mean, that is what you would want to leave your child with. That's a great Who gift. you were. Yeah, who she is. And so it's a really interesting thing. You know, parents talk about, like, people who know that they're dying make, you know, video advice or video letters for their children or write letters to their children. It's a, I think it's a similar exercise. And perhaps you think, you're going to impart all of this wisdom to your kid, but what you really impart is is like just a piece of who you are. Anyway, to get back to your your, your question, though, <laughs> um, we were always close. Um, do you have siblings? It, it, no. Uh, well, I do. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I have a half-brother, and I have step 
siblings. I never lived with any sibling full time. Okay. Um, my my family is unique. I've had eight sets of parents. When you combine all the different divorces and um, one death, and it you was, said eight. Uh, eight eight okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes. I know that's insane. I didn't say a um, word. I'm just listening. <laughs> it is. It's insane. <laughs> like, I, I have actually sat down and tried, like, people have said to me, what's your family tree? <laughs> and Ooh, I always that's say, that's complicated. My family tree is a bush. It's like a bramble at times, but it, it is much bigger than a tree. Um, but my my mom has certainly been an incredibly constant uh, branch. I'd say she's the roots of that vegetation. And she's the person that I have always, always been with 100% of the time. So regardless of any other changes or visitations or people who came in and out and who still remain in my life, these are not unimportant people. Mm -hmm. Um, but my mom was, was definitely the person that I was always closest to. And so there was always a sense of, like, us against the world. Not against in a bad way, but um, we were partners in crime. We were the two team. in a pod. Absolutely. 100%. Was this a bit of an emotional roller coaster for you, all these changes? I don't know how, what age this started as far as different father figures. Yeah, it started at one and a half. Actually, um, and a roller coaster is definitely a good way to explain it. I actually, I've, uh, I've thought about writing my own book about this crazy parentage and the image that I have for the cover. And don't anybody steal this if you're listening. So I'll track you down. Um, is remember the old fashioned sign? For Disneyland that had a it was like on the side of a roller coaster and it had like the letters written in kind of old fashioned and it was it was it was like this the series of letters that spelled out Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Image? I think I do. Yeah, like I have it burned in my brain. Anyway, well, you lived in California. mine was yeah, mine was to take that and change the the word to be divorce land. Oh my gosh. And have it be that, that <laughs> roller coaster. Because it it was definitely a roller coaster. Um That's a great the, graphic and, image, by the way. Isn't Kudos it? To you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. But yeah, I mean and my mom rode on that roller coaster as well as, as did um step parents and and my father and uh, you know, we've I've had I've had I've had the benefit of having multiple fathers. I've had the benefit of having um, multiple stepmothers. But, um, yeah, it's been wild. It's been wild. As an actor, do you draw on all of this emotion from your past or all of these? You have obviously have felt a lot of different emotions as a young kid. So do you yeah, draw on that's you very perceptive. Yeah, that's perceptive of you. Um, like one of the, the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for today was what is different about me and my mother. Um, and I would my mother is Scandinavian. She's Finnish. And if, if any of your listeners know anything about Finns, it's that they are very private people. They are 
are stoic and hardworking and private. And the expression of emotion is very uncomfortable for Finns. This is a generalization that I'm making, but I think my mother would would absolutely uh, mirror that back to you. Um, And here I make a living expressing emotions which is really different. That's probably the number one difference between us is that um, my mom um, wants no attention. Truly, she is an introvert, and she would prefer to not um, be on the spot. And I think a lot of people think that actors want attention. And in my case, that, that is not how it feels for me or or what my goal is. But what is my goal is to find a safe place where all those feelings that I had can be, A, explored, as you said, and not only accepted, but can be helpful to other people, can be useful within a story, and yes, can be applauded for their, perhaps their, their bravery, let's hope, not for showing off or anything, but for being vulnerable and being authentic and showing the, the tragedy of life with grace is the goal of my work. And it has to be because of what I experienced. And how perhaps as a child you don't have a place to put that. So I found one. What did you do, may I ask, what did you do as a little child to, did you revolt? Did you, were you an abominable teenager? How did you handle all that emotion or what did your mom say to comfort you or encourage you that we're going to get through this? What was that like expressing yourself as a young, a young child? You said starting at one and a half through your teen years. Yeah. Well, uh, my mom says that when I was a child, I was a, a really, like, for the most part, a really happy child, which always confused me when she would say that. Like, when I was, at, from teenage years on, if she would ever say that, I was like, who are you talking about? Um, <laughs> that must be your <laughs> other daughter. <laughs> yeah. But she also said that um, I was turbulent, that it was like a, like watching a summer storm. It would come in hard and fast and dramatic and then leave. And I do, I see that in my own daughter. So I think some of that is just my personality. But the way I reacted to all of the changes in my family was to try to be perfect. Um, to not ruffle uh, any feathers. Correct. Because if you, this is hard to say, if you, don't draw attention to yourself. Perhaps you can stay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You can not only stay, but you can stay safe. And you don't get caught up in the whirlwind. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. You know, and and I was like, when I was thinking about talking to you, I was like, I'm sure some of this kind of stuff is going to come up. And, And, you know, my husband said, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be honest. This that, is that's why all right. we're doing this, Monette. This is exactly yeah. why we're doing this. 
I'm sure there were many, many people, young kids that went through similar situations as you, and they felt that they were alone. Oh, sure. I mean, I think children children feel that way, especially only children. Um, but this is, you know, the, I mean, I have, I have to say, my all my parents ha- had, have great love for me. And I know, I truly know in my heart that everyone did the best they could, is currently doing the best that they can. And now as a parent myself, oh my God, like... I I have such gratitude for, like, any parent now that I am a parent. It is so, so hard under the best of circumstances. And when you have issues in your relationship, um, it's always going to be difficult. And I know everybody did their best. And and my personality chose to react in that way. I, I, I sort of froze and shut down and then tried to be so good just so good and that you know got in the way of my acting work uh, totally at oh first, my god in the way know? of so much got in the way of so oh, much. yeah oh and it still does on a daily basis <laughs> but that that part is my nature also you know so it's not like somebody did something to me and i had to be good nobody ever did that in fact i was never punished by my mother ever ever um she used to say you were so hard on yourself that I never had to punish you. Oh, my gosh. How are I know. kids so smart? Kids are so smart. I hear people say that all the time. You know, couples stay together. They're miserable and they're screaming and chatting. And they should have divorced 10 years ago. And the kids are like, what the heck were you waiting for when the parents finally come around right? and tell them? Kids know they feel it way before the adults are brave enough to, to say it. They're truth-seeking missiles, is what they are. Truth-seeking missiles. Is that what you just said? Truth-seeking missiles. I did. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. But you're a glass-half-full kind of gal, or are you not? I I definitely try to be. Um, That is not easy for me. I I have to have great intentionality around it. And sometimes it takes me a little longer than other people to get there. Mm -hmm. Like I have to fight for that. But I want to, and I usually do. It just, maybe, maybe I'm judging myself about how long it takes. Like maybe I think everybody else is able to do it instantly, and they're not either, especially in the age of social media. Like it always looks like everybody is doing just great. And I'm sure some people think that, of me, but I, I think what's what's always important is is trying. You know, it's the effort, it's the picking yourself back up, even when it's hard. It's like my daughter said to me the other day, out of the blue. I'm sure this is from a cartoon. I'm not going to take any credit. But she <laughs> oh said to me, she goes, "Mommy, you can't be brave unless you're scared." Oh, right on. Right She's on. Five. I was like, "Yes." Why did nobody say that to me when I was five? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's genius. So good. Monette McGraw is my guest (laughs) on this episode of Should Have Listened to My Mother. I'm Jackie Tantillo. So we're talking about your mom, Diane Skomar's beautiful memoir journal that has been published. Have I taught you everything I know? Correct. Do you, and I believe you have a, a little segment that you'd like to read? Yes, I picked out... Um, 
two. They are very short. I picked out two that have very different um, personalities here. I'm grabbing my glasses because after having a child, my whole eyesight went. Okay. Um, so here's a fun one. This was October 30th, 2003. When you feel you are stuck, change your perspective. One, write down your situation, turn the paper upside down, and study it. Two, look at the palm of your hand, fingers open. Study the spaces in between your fingers and consider them the reality, the positive, the shape to regard. Three, create a continuum from taking no action to taking some action to going all out. Decide your next step. Walk two vigorous miles out of doors. Consider seven solutions. Call a person you admire and ask them how they are. Watch for a sign in a new direction. Eight, chant, let go, let God 100 times with your palms upward. Nine, bake Hello Dolly bars and bring them to a neighbor. Ten, Try a new perfume. <laughs> oh. Random. Oh, my and then I have, another, I have another short one that's a little more heartfelt. Like, there are lots of lists like that. This there is are, brilliant. Like, She's way ahead of the curve here. I mean, <laughs> and thank, love thank her that. from me for sharing it with all of us. Oh, I thought, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can read you one other one that's sure. a little bit more of a, of a different style. Um mm-hmm. Okay, this is from January 2nd. So actually, it was the very, it was the second entry. Illumination. It's late evening, a long day at work. My thoughts run along these lines. If everyone lit just one candle, what a bright world this would be, which is from the song One Little Candle. It would be grand if each person was able and willing to shine a little light to help us see really see the universe behind the dark corners and into the faces of others. Candles seem to give off the best light, create the softest illumination, and manifest a welcoming atmosphere. Think back to your birthdays with candles on the cake, Christmas Eve in a church aglow with candle power, the candles you light while in the tub bathing, the tapers lit for a dinner party. Candles don't just pierce the darkness. They draw us into the light. They make us slow down, take stock, feel better. Go, light a candle right now and realize its power, its warmth, its attraction. Absorb the light and pass it on. Are you glowing? Do you make the world a brighter place with your own light? How do you do so? Oh, gosh, it's so so simple and yet so powerful. And I don't want to sound cliche by saying something like that, but I'm going to go light a candle, right? I know. I know. <laughs> right and, so, and then there'll be like silly, like my one of my favorite pages is she wrote at the top, um, here are all the things I know about men, colon, and the rest of the page is blank. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's really funny. Oh, my gosh. And you said she's she keeps her emotions in and all she seems to be able to be fluid writing things down 
So as far as your relationship with your mom, is she your heroine? My mom is definitely a heroine for me, yes, Um, especially at specific points in my life, like times I felt very, very close to her, uh, almost idealized her at times. I would say uh, during college and in my 20s, I'm not sure why that time period, I'm sure a psychiatrist could explain it to you, but I, I almost at times put her on a pedestal then. And in thinking about that now, especially when I have a child, I see that that can have some real drawbacks because no one is perfect, and my mom included and myself included. Um, and when there are moments of humanness, it can be really difficult when your idol like, isn't acting like a uh, uh, an idol has fallen off the pedestal, right? And that can create turmoil, you know, for me, and certainly isn't fair to to her. So I have to try. I have had to try to reframe the way that I view my mom in a more human context, and I and I think that's something that a lot of children have to go through. Um, like you kind of have to have a push and pull with your your parents, and it changes at different stages of your life. And I would say about my mother that she is the reason that I'm the way I am, and she would never tell you that. She does not think of herself as brave. Like, she would tell you that the fact that I'm an actor and that I go on stage in front of thousands of people is something she could never do, that she she would never dream of being so brave. The irony for me when she says that is I I think about the life she came from and um, her personality, which, again, is an introvert and is somebody who doesn't want attention and and wants everything to be smooth. You know, she's a peacemaker, as I am, but in a different way. And I bought this whole line of hers that she's not brave for a long time. And then I realized that She's a little bit like water, and the world is rock, and water seems like it's soft, and the rock is hard. But over time, which is the more powerful, like what carved the Grand Canyon, and I don't mean that in a forceful way. I don't mean like she determined to break it down. It's actually her gentleness and her quiet quietly doing hard things without advertising them and doing them anyway that has cut this beautiful path in her life. And she's done crazy things. She's traveled the world. She's gone to like 102 countries because that's her thing. Like that's the one place she's audacious is travel. She, when I graduated from high school and she knew we were going to be separated she sold her Finnish blue convertible, which was another sort of active <laughs> wildness and bravery that she owned that, in order to have money to go and live in a cabin, a family cabin on the north shore of Lake Superior, and write a book. It wasn't this book. It's a different book. But she has actually, and she, she went through two divorces when she could have stayed in marriages that weren't working for her. 
I mean, she actually has done incredibly brave things, but she doesn't see herself that way. And so um, I think I'm exactly who I am because of her. I have differences, and I express my bravery, so to speak, in a different way. Um, but I'm so grateful to have had her as an example and also just to have had her as somebody who has loved me no matter what, unconditionally, my whole life, I've always known that, that she was there for me in a way that no one else could be. And I feel that was my daughter. And I feel so lucky to have that line, you know, the three of us. I, it's very special. It, it's amazing for all that, um, the change up and the mix up of your childhood and all that. She was always a constant in your life. She is your superhero. Yeah. And and you think water flows in the path of least resistance. So it's fluid. It's moving. It can overcome an obstacle. It can overcome rocks and big boulders. And yet it still has its own force. So I love that imagery and analogy that you used. And I'm so happy that you have this perspective of your mom. Because some other people would have completely turned it around maybe and had a totally different outlook and a different, a negative one. But I think that comes back to obviously what your mom instilled in you, and now you are instilling the same in your daughter. Yeah, thank you. And one, one last note that your comment made me think of, Jackie, is, um, <laughs> you know, not only, you know, with the eight sets of parents, the, um, the fathers in my life have had uh, multiple marriages as well. And one kind of fun way that I have have uh, discovered about it is I call it my Goldilocks theory that a lot of times especially our my parents generation people married very young and they may have been getting married out of a reaction to their family of origin which might not have been you know, explored to such a degree as our current generation likes to explore itself and its relationships with our family. So I think perhaps there was less consciousness about those those really young marriages. And then when those didn't work out, oftentimes, and I saw this with all three sets of my parents, they, they kind of swung all the way the other way as a reaction, just like Goldilocks, too mm-hmm. hot, too cold. And then often in that third or fourth union, or significant relationship, there is a middle ground that's found because each individual has learned more about themselves and what they need, what temperature they need in their life. And I try to think of it as them all ending up where they needed to be in the first place. They just had to learn how to get there. It's We all have a path and a journey. Yeah. And... It seems like your family, they've acknowledged whether there were mistakes or just not the right decision, but they kept moving moving forward and moving onward instead of getting locked jammed and it holding them yeah. back for the rest of their life. Exactly. And I'm so happy to have seen each, each set sort of find its home. It's been a good thing. Then you are glass half full. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I worked on it. Good for you. Lots of therapy, lots of therapy. And, and, you know, acting has taught me 
seeing other people's stories teaches you a lot about your own. Yeah. My guest, actor and mom, Manette McGraw. Can't wait to see your next piece of work, and I wish you and your family all the best of luck. Thank you, Jackie. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and um, I'm just delighted to meet you. I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. For more information, you can check out my Facebook and Instagram Should Have Listened to My Mother pages, as well as on Twitter at Jackie Tantillo. If you'd like to share a compelling story about your mom, you can email me at Jackie at shouldhavelistentomymother.com. Listen to My Mother.com.